our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. My goal in this deposition was to be truthful, but not particularly helpful. Welcome to Unspun, the podcast that makes you better at finding the truth. The way people get news is changing. It used to be that there were many reporters who would research stories and write articles, but now politicians and famous people share information directly with you on social media and the internet. That means you find out things fast, but it's up to you to make sure the information's actually accurate. And newsmakers don't always do their part. The temptation to manipulate information is strong. They bend the truth to deceive so that they can avoid accountability, so that they can advance their agendas. When you recognize these agendas, you can sometimes find out what's real. And we're at a crossroads where anyone can share anything online. So it's important to sharpen your critical thinking skills. Finding that deception before it goes viral is pretty much a survival skill now. And we're going to do it together. Let's get unspun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unspun. Sometimes it's easier to just not answer the question. When newsmakers want to do that, they'll use what's called a red herring. A red herring is when someone tries to be distracting by throwing out a completely different issue. Here's an example a couple of years back. There was a kind of a famous power outage in Texas. There was a big ice storm, it was very cold, and many Texans were left at home to just be cold and freeze. And when it came time for newsmakers to talk about it, some of them tried to distract from the very real consequence that deregulation had on the power company by blaming the issue on the Green New Deal. Now this was clearly silly because the Green New Deal was just an idea and it's never been anything that's actually been passed. But here, listen as Texas Governor Greg Abbott talks at the time about what he thinks is the most important issue in the power failure. So this shows how the Green New Deal would be a deadly deal for the United States of America. Texas is blessed with multiple sources of energy, such as uh, natural gas and oil uh, and nuclear, as, as well as uh, solar and wind. Uh, but you saw from what Trace said, uh, and that is our wind and our solar got shut down, and, and they were uh, collectively more than 10 percent of our power grid. And that thrust Texas into a situation where it was lacking power in a statewide basis uh, that was power that was spread out by that ERCOT organization organization that you were talking about. As a result, uh, it just shows uh, that fossil fuel is necessary uh, for the state of Texas as well as other states to make sure that we will be able to heat our homes in the wintertime and cool our homes in the summertime. See, he's distracting from his state's issues in regulation and their consequences by blaming a democratic program that doesn't even exist. Let's listen to a few more examples for this week's warm-up. What about Senator Clinton? What do you think about a Clinton-Obama-Obama-Clinton ticket? Well, I have to agree with everything Barack just said. Um, that means it's this, a yes, right? This, this, has, this has been um, an extraordinary campaign, and I think both of us have been overwhelmed by the response that we have engendered, the kind of enthusiasm and intensity that people feel about each of us. and. So clearly, we are both dedicated to doing the best we can to win the nomination. But there is no doubt we will have a unified Democratic Party. We will go into the November election prepared to win. And So in this clip, which goes all the way back to 2008, candidates for the Democratic presidential nomination, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, are answering a question about whether they would consider a president-vice president ticket with their opponent, either an Obama-Clinton ticket or a Clinton-Obama ticket. And Hillary Clinton answers, but you'll notice that she doesn't answer the question. Instead, she says that they're going to try to have a unified Democratic Party. So that's a bit of a red herring. 
But let's try one more example. And I said, well, gosh, can't we, can't we find some, some women that are also qualified? And, uh, and so we, we took a concerted effort to go out and find women who had backgrounds that could be qualified to become members of our cabinet. I went to a number of women's groups and said, can you help us find folks? And they brought us whole binders full of, uh, of women. I was proud of the fact that after I staffed my cabinet and my senior staff, that the University of New York uh, in Albany did a survey of all 50 states and concluded that mine had more women in senior leadership positions than any other state in America. This is a kind of a famous moment in debate history. Candidate Mitt Romney is running for president and has been asked a question about pay equity for women. I'm going to say that again, pay equity. So should women and men get paid the same thing for doing the same job? His answer is about women, but it's about hiring women. His answer is not about pay equity. In his answer, he says that he does his best to have women in his cabinet, but you don't even know if the best is good at all. All the other states could have zero and he could have one, for example. But more importantly, he doesn't say anything about how much women are getting paid. His ability to hire women is being used as a red herring. So that was this week's warm-up. Every once in a while, I get a letter. So every once in a while, I'm going to address some things people send to me. Here's one that I got about my episode with Brooke Binkowski, where I talked about straw man arguments. Brooke said that facts are liberal. And the person who wrote wanted to know, what does that mean? How does it make sense to say that facts are liberal? Well, let me tell you. Like a lot of words that you might hear in the news, liberal is one that equivocates. And that means that it can have more than one meaning. You'll see this sometimes in humor. So for example, Axe Body Spray had a campaign where they encouraged customers to quote, clean your dirty balls, end quote. And they showed pictures of people cleaning athletic equipment with their product. Now Axe targets itself to men, and so the word balls can have two meanings in that context. And there's the joke. So that's equivocation. The answer to why facts are liberal depends on the way that you define liberal. And it doesn't necessarily mean in the way that we might think in a political context. It doesn't mean that you're a registered Democrat, and it doesn't mean that you're voting for expanding social programs. Liberal can mean something else entirely. You can think of it like you think of liberal arts. You know, the stuff like science, philosophy, government, literature, all of those things. Why do we call those the liberal arts? Are they democratic topics? Well, no, of course not. Instead, it is a meaning of liberal that comes from the same root as the word liberate. It sets you free. The question of what are liberal arts is topics that help you to increase your ability to control your own life because you understand the way that your world works. This learning, the facts as it were, they liberate you and that makes you free to decide for yourself because you have all the information. So that's how facts can be liberal. Thanks for the question and don't forget that if you have questions or just wanna talk, you can always find me at theunspunpodcast at gmail.com. And I do write back. I need to take a quick break, but when I come back, I have a little insight into what might happen in a government shutdown. I hope you stick around. Welcome back. I'd like to try something different this week. At the time that I'm recording, we're looking at another government shutdown because members of the House cannot agree on what is important to put in a budget. As we're doing that, it reminds me of what happened in January of 2018. In January of 2018, we had the longest shutdown in the history of the U.S., mostly over funding for a border wall for President Trump. About a year ago, I published a book called We Are Alt-Gov, Inside the Resistance on Social Media. It was the result of my five years of interviews and observations with civil servants who worked during the Trump administration, trying to make sure that Americans, including their more than a million followers, knew what was going on at the time. I was able to talk to and observe them during the last shutdown and included that in a chapter of the book. And one of my sources, Alt Space Force, agreed to read that chapter for you. 
So here is Alt Spacey reading the chapter, Shutdown. Shutdown. Asher had been through government shutdowns a few times. In 2013, a disagreement over funding the Affordable Care Act led to a 16-day closure. At the beginning of 2018, there was a brief shutdown largely due to disagreements about immigration. These closures were always a nuisance. Maybe government staff aren't working. Maybe they are essential, so they're still working. But for most of them, they don't know when they will get paid again. Alts who worked for the national parks were particularly affected. They were non-essential, but not working meant its own worries. The closing down and starting back up creates complicated work, even more so for a manager. The shutdown at the end of 2018, which stretched into 2019, was the longest in U.S. history. Dark clouds had been on the horizon for weeks. Ning tweeted before Christmas that instead of enjoying the holiday with his family, he was figuring out ways to stretch leftovers for when he wouldn't have an income. The news stayed bad. Congress didn't want to fund a project to build a wall on the U.S. southern border. The president wanted it. The impasse meant that Asher, having been with the government for long enough to be a manager, had even more to worry about. Lack of funding meant that more than 400,000 federal employees with essential jobs like air traffic controllers and law enforcement officers were expected to keep working, just with no idea when they might get paid. Others in less essential positions were furloughed, which meant that they were not expected or allowed to work and had no idea when they would receive a paycheck. In a particularly demoralizing turn of events, being furloughed required a trip to the office to get furlough paperwork. Many of the staff Asher managed were in this circumstance. Lower-level employees who often lived far from work in the exurbs where the cost of living was lower. They spent gas money and time fighting the notorious capital area traffic to come in, get their papers, turn around, and go home. Asher and several other Washington, D.C. area support office managers put together care packages, including basic groceries, that they paid for and handed out with paperwork as a kind, if futile, gesture to help with the pain of the shutdown. No civil servant goes into government work to get rich. In fact, Morgan took a substantial pay cut to return to federal work after a stretch in private industry. The lower-level employees didn't earn enough to have much of a cushion to ride out a shutdown. The shutdown also meant that many of the staff at the parks themselves were furloughed. This was devastating for many of them. If they worked at remote facilities in the mountains or in the desert, the only nearby jobs in the area were the park concessions, so staff were out of luck for finding other options. Surrounding businesses like hotels and restaurants supported tourists visiting Yellowstone, Arches, or Joshua Tree. But closed parks meant no tourists. Without those tourists, there wasn't a chance to pick up a side job. The money to support yourself simply evaporated. Asher's job with the Washington Area Support Office meant that he was involved with all the parks. About 3,200 employees were doing unpaid work and tasked with managing 80 million acres of parklands, while the 21,000 others were furloughed. 
communications staff are often furloughed as well. So one of the needs during the shutdown was getting information to federal workers and members of the public, who were largely in the dark. The news media did cover the shutdown, but primarily as a political story with a focus on actions and negotiations between the president and members of Congress. But it was a lot more than that. A government shutdown affects employees, of course, but it also affects citizens who need services from their government. Alt-Gov accounts tried to fill both gaps as well as advocate for federal employees. Colby had a lot to say to enhance public understanding of the shutdown. Nasty Women of NPS really is a group account, and different posters told their own stories of how the shutdown affected them and their communities. For example, what happens when the government shuts down? Non-essential employees report to work, close down their office, and sign a notice of furlough. Essential employees, more than half of the government, continue working without getting paid. Coming into the shutdown, quote, I filled my pantry as best I could and have one full paycheck in my bank account. I really don't want a repeat of last time, end quote, Colby's account tweeted. Another tweet noted that one full paycheck wasn't that much, as he only earned $40,000. The shutdown affected contractors, too. Contractors are even more impacted. With the bill Congress passed, Fed workers may well get back pay whenever the shutdown ends. Many, many contractors are not getting paid either, and most won't get retroactive pay. Resentment and fear is far broader than just the feds, Morgan tweeted. The shutdown didn't just affect the government. Loss of government function also affects the public. The people behind Colby's account lived around national parks in some areas of the country that were remote and poor, where both the government investment in public lands and the income from park visitors constituted a large portion of the area's economy. Across the country, national parks generate tens of billions of dollars in visitor spending, a tenfold return on investment. The last normal year, 2019, parks contributed more than a billion dollars just to the economy of Utah, where the parks are so important that visits are a part of an annual economic report to the state. When those visits dry up, it doesn't just hurt government employees and contractors, but citizens as well. Colby tried to help, sharing posts like, Indian country has been significantly impacted by the shutdown. Check out this awesome headwork by Ani, a Navajo woman, and enter the raffle for a chance to win and help support her family. Hashtag Native Made. Other careers were impacted too. Asher noted, Think about this. Over 300,000 feds are on furlough and not getting paid. The average cost of daycare in the U.S. is $200 a week. If just 10% of feds have kids, the childcare industry is losing $6 million a week in revenue. The costs to Americans were more than jobs. Food stamps and tax refunds will very soon be affected by the government shutdown. This may be the moment his base wakes up. Maybe. But I doubt it, Charlie tweeted. And a shutdown actually brings extra cost. Colby said, tweeting, 
mail, disability checks, veterans benefits, etc. are delayed. Public lands are vandalized. Non-essential employees anxiously wait at home, unable to seek another job or pay bills. Every single American is impacted by the shutdown. Same Americans claim the shutdown is proof feds are worthless. Eventually, we return to work. We waste even more money trying to return everything to order than if we had just been paid to do our jobs from the start. Hashtag Trump shutdown. While federal employees like the TSA are apparent in places like airports, a shutdown affects other little-known processes that affect daily lives too. Trade-related, the USITC, the United States International Trade Commission, website is completely offline now. Expect imports to slow down dramatically as there is no way to classify goods for customs PGA participating government agencies, Reed tweeted. Some of the impacts on trade were especially concerning. Dallas noted, Good morning, America. As the shutdown continues on, inspections needed items are starting to pile up at our ports. Things like acetaminophen API. Your food is being inspected by unpaid workers with reduced staff on reduced sample rates as well. Hashtag Trump resign. Some of the education seemed to extend to the president himself. The Hill, a web publication that covers politics, published an article about the president sharing an anonymous op-ed from a conservative opinion site, The Daily Caller, that said, quote, If the shutdown is just about rhetorical bickering, it is a loss. But if it proves that government is better when smaller, focusing only on essential functions that serve Americans, then President Trump will achieve something great that Reagan was only bold enough to dream. End quote. Morgan had a reaction of frustration. Quote, hey, dumbass, you don't know what essential means. During a furlough, it is focused on life and safety and just keeping critical systems running. Fixing problems, improving, modernizing are not accepted functions, and those people are furloughed. At Real Donald Trump, that is asinine. A lot of the alt account efforts, both in public and behind the scenes, went towards supporting civil servants and contractors. Asher said, Are you a federal employee on furlough or one who is expected but not getting paid right now? Do you have questions about how the shutdown impacts you and what you can do? Ask here. If I can't answer it, I will do my absolute best to find someone who can. Ning posted an alert with two flashing red light emojis about paperwork needed to file for unemployment in D.C. And in other public tweets and in a series of Google Docs and DM rooms, followers and a few alts were compiling offers to help. There were many. For example, when Asher asked about whether federal employees could defer mortgage loan payments, USAA responded on Twitter, Thanks for reaching out. We are monitoring the situation, and if the shutdown occurs, eligible members may receive a one-time offer via email with a link to offered assistance. Or you can contact us at 210-531-8722 
for options that may be available. Asher, a veteran himself, knew that the USAA, which only serves veterans and their families, was a popular bank with government workers, many of whom have previous military service. Alts and followers shared events where federal employees could get charity meals, gift cards, and items both in D.C. and around the country. Colby tweeted about the Shoshone Bannock tribes giving away buffalo meat and potatoes in Idaho, for example. That's just a small part of a larger chapter, but I did think it was interesting to realize that when the government shuts down, it affects everybody who engages with the government, which is all of us. In the show notes, I'm going to put a key to all the people who hold the accounts that you heard about in the chapter in case you want to look that up. But that'll do it for this week. Thanks for getting Unspun with me this week. Unspun is a production of me, Amanda Sturgill, and is a proud member of the MSW Media family of podcasts. Send me your thoughts and ideas about trickery in the news on Gmail at theunspunpodcast at gmail.com. I even write back. And find this episode's show notes and more information at theunspunpodcast.substack.com. Want to learn more and get smarter? Check out my book, Detecting Deception, Tools to Fight Fake News, which is available on Amazon or your favorite online bookseller. And until next time, stay sharp, everyone.